0: Hey guys, welcome to the shit show of my twenties. I'm so excited that you guys are here. My name's Sophia. I started this podcast in the beginning of April and I got furloughed at the end of March and quite honestly, it was so hard for me to comprehend and deal with that. I was like, I have two choices right now. I can start the podcast that I've always wanted to start or I can let this really deter me and start emotional eating and just sit on the couch and do nothing and I decided to go with the first choice and I'm so glad that I did because I've got to meet so many inspiring people from all over the world and I hope that you guys see yourselves in some of these stories because I've just been having so much fun this has been lighting me up so much and I'm really glad that I put myself out there and decided to start it You know, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to start it. And I'm so glad that I just did that. And I know as an introvert, it's been pretty hard to like put myself out there, talk in front of a camera, talk to all these people I don't know. But I feel like this has been such a growing experience for me. And I feel like I need to share that with you guys because maybe there's something in your life that excites you, but kind of scares you at the same time. And maybe it's time to step into that. Today's guest is Mimi. We talk about her journey and how she was in all these different careers, but she always felt this pull back to astrology and how she listened to that and started to build her business around astrology. We would go into some of the different signs and messages that have been coming through for her. So let's get started.
1: And that's part of astrology is it's an interpretation. It's like a language. So different astrologer will have their own take on it.
0: And I saw you were a lawyer before. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's so interesting because I've been yeah. talking to so many lawyers who turn into like coaches or are Austri- like they do like a total career shift. That's been interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I knew my second year of, no, not my second year, my second semester of law school, I, w- I was sitting in my torts class and torts is all about like all the wrongdoing and also, well, if you did certain wrongs, how do you compensate? And I realized at that moment, it wasn't so much about justice, but it was more about, well, who can argue the best to get the most money for the injuries that was caused, whether it's your fault or not, right? So at that moment, I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer, but because I put so much effort Mm. into getting there, I kind of talked myself into continuing because... I couldn't imagine working so hard to get to law school and not finish. And I was hoping that once I got out and I got a job that it would be different. And I think that there was already a bias, you know, like I've already decided, but I didn't, I don't think I had the courage to tell myself, no, like just walk away.
0: So how's that transition? Like, um, like, how would you step away from that?
1: How I step away. Well, I graduated in 2009, like early 2009. It was during that time, the recession. And there, I, I heard stories about attorneys who've been pr- in practice for 20 years being let go from large law firms. And I've already worked in small law firms. I know that they're more likely to have me, keep me, but I wasn't willing to do the work. And I think that I was in the place of contemplating, well, what is the practice of law I wanna do? Because at the end of the day, you go through law school to pass the bar, but once you are out in the work field, you still have to learn the real ropes of what it means to practice. So you're still exploring different jobs within the field of law. So I was in immigration law, I didn't like it at all and I contemplated corporate law, but I didn't like working in corporate. And civil rights was I think where my heart would have been, but that's hard, right? It, it takes really thick skin. And I have a soft spot, spot for social change, but I didn't think that the legal path, like dealing with legal matters and legal issues was the way that i felt was the right fit for me so i left i left the law for looking for any other job that would hire at that time it kind of feels like now pandemic times very similar where a lot of people leave the path that they were on um, whether they were let go or furloughed and are interviewing for whatever is available whether or not that was their path it kind of felt, feels the same for me. It was more like, okay, well, I know, I need to just step away from the law to get some perspective. And I would be open to just get whatever job there was at that moment. And I think all of the corporate jobs, and I went into corporate to get a corporate job after, randomly doing project management in IT. And all of the, the, like the two corporate jobs that I got when I decided, okay, let's just try whatever is out there was not in that traditional job searching path, like submit your resume at this job online posting. It wasn't like that. It was really about who it's really about who you know, and being at the right time at the right place. And that's kind of how I found I landed a job randomly. And it wasn't even an open position. It was just a position that was sort of thought about, and because they interviewed me, they decided that I was the right person for that role. So it's just talking to the right person randomly. Hey, I'm looking for a job, and I'm really good at organizing, so if you have any sorts of project management position, you know, I'd love to interview for it, and I did. I went in, I interviewed, and a couple of weeks later, I got the job, and that's kind of random, And that really set the path for the next three years of my life doing project management in IT, but I work with uh, the legal team. So I bring, I brought in my legal background, but I wasn't doing law. And I did that for three years. And then I really did not like working a corporate job. It wasn't the work. It wasn't the people. I think the people always makes it really hard to leave because They're cool people to work with and the projects that I work on weren't hard, but I also knew if I were to continue, I asked myself, can I see myself five, 10 years still doing that? And my honest answer was no. So if I couldn't see myself five years doing exactly what I was doing and put in more time, then I decided that this is not it. And I had to go find something else. Like, so I'm, my mentality is if I don't like what I'm doing, I've got to find something that I do because it's really miserable to stay doing something that you hate or that makes you feel sad or depressed or aimless. So that's kind of how I ended up, first of all, leaving the law was knowing that that's not what I wanted to do. And I think that the economy and the market helped. You know, we're rational beings, so we're trying to find excuses to validate what we're thinking already. So the fact that the market was really bad propelled me in a position to say, okay, well, no one's going to really hire anyways. I'm not sure what I want to do. So let's just try something completely random. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, that was my mentality at that time.
0: How did you get into astrology?
1: How did I end up in astrology? Uh, professionally, that was after I left my corporate job uh, in 2013. I, the moment that I left my corporate job, I was, again, in search for what's next what's the thing that I'm supposed to be doing what would bring me fulfillment and joy and I had no idea I was like super lost and and at that time I wasn't in my my 20s anymore at that point I was in my almost mid-30s so you know another career change and I think eight months had passed and then my husband probably was thinking, well, she's not finding anything it's been 8 months so he proposed that I consider astrology because for the time that we've been together, I think we were together for 9 years and married for 5 years at that time and he's like the entire time I've known you, you astrology is your what's consistent in your life. It's astrology. You always go back to astrology. You've been doing astrology since you were 9. You should really consider doing astrology as a profession. And I never did. I mean, I did in passing when I was like younger, but it was a an idea. It was never something that I seriously considered. And I think that the moment that my husband suggested that I explore that as an option, it felt really good. Like, I, I felt my whole body relax, almost like he gave me this green light, like, go for it. And I think that that's what I needed, like this little nudge and this push that I wasn't going to be judged because it has a stigma to it. And I knew that I had to confront people asking me or maybe the people that would think, you know, why would she spend three years in law school? To then now do astrology, it didn't logically make sense. That's now how we're trained and raised to think about career choice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in school, so I said, okay, well, if it didn't, if if astrology didn't work, then we'll just again go back to the drawing board and look for something else. And if it did, then great. And so that's kind of how it all started.
0: And do you think it helped that you took the pressure off of it?
1: Uh, the part of. If it works, it works. If
0: it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah.
1: You know, there's always doubt because you, we tend to think, well, yeah, what if it didn't? Then I wasted time. Then I could be doing something different. Then I'd have to search again. So it's all these th- thoughts that, yes, there is a little bit less pressure pressure but also knowing well what if it didn't work then you you know I'm starting all over again and I'm not getting any younger mm-hmm. you know
0: and how did you start off did you start off doing readings for people yeah I just
1: offer tons of free readings and so that was in August of 2013 so I told myself I gave myself until the end of the calendar year I just told all of my friends, everyone that I knew, I said, okay, I'm offering free astrology reading so that I can practice and learn what it looks like to do this professionally. Because when you do it for fun for yourself, it's just for fun. There's no pressure. There's no structure. But when you have someone sit down with their time, you want to make it worth their time. So I just did a ton. And Really, at the end of the day, practice makes perfect. You've got to just practice anything that is theoretical. is just theoretical. It's just something that you read until you actually do it. And I did it for four months for free. And then 2014 rolled around. It was time for me to start charging. I knew, but I had no idea what was the price tag that I was going to put on it. So again, my husband came around and suggested, well, make it a donation base and see what people would be willing to pay. And that's what I did for the entire year. Also, the moment that I decided I was going to be a, a professional astrologer, I r- randomly got, again, all the jobs that I got was being, you know, I feel like when, I, when you, move, you move through life, the way you're supposed to, like really trusting and taking random action, things will just show up for you without logical reason. And one of my greatest fear to start my own business is that I didn't have the stability of a paycheck. But the moment that I decided I was going to do professional astrology, I, was, I received this text from my body worker And he says, listen, I need to go back home. He's Israeli, and he had to go back home um, for the holy month. And he needed someone to support him with his office. And I was a project manager, so he knew I was organized. And so he asked me if I can help him out, you know, pick up phone calls, you know, take care of the office while he was gone. And that was my part-time job ticket. And I told him, you know what? I, I am available for work, but I'm only available part time. He's like, that's perfect. That's all I need. And I worked for him for a year and a half while I was still building my business. So that really helped me, I think, settle in the transition and feeling still productive and receiving a paycheck while building my business outside of my work hours. Mm.
0: And how has astrology helped you in your life? Like, and what sign are you as well?
1: So I am a sign that most people will never have guessed. I think I've only had two people guess it. And I'm a, I'm a Scorpio. And the, how I really got into astrology is because, and how it helped me is because it's to understand myself. At first, it was really because, oh, I get to understand people's psychology through those 12 zodiac signs. That was the initial interest. But throughout my whole entire life, I always gravitated back to my chart, to astrology, to understand myself. Most of it is why I feel the way I feel, and I think putting words into myself, like, You know, it's one thing to know yourself because you you're living a life that is yours. But then how do you talk about yourself? It's really hard. I think that's what I was looking for. I was looking for a way to articulate who I am and to discover myself through, you know, the planets to the language of the zodiac signs. And it's very complex. And I think I love the complexity of it because we're complex beings. I don't think that we're just one sign. And until when you open your astrological chart, we embody all 12 zodiac signs. And it's about understanding the, the influence of the different zodiac signs in your different parts of your life. And it makes me feel like I can understand myself in relations in my relationship to the world to the world around me that's I think what's so valuable about astrology Mm
0: -hmm. can you meet someone and figure out their sign without them telling you
1: sometimes usually I pick up on people's moon sign more so than their sun sign because your sun sign is who you're here to become versus the moon sign that's just kind of how you show up emotionally, like intuitively. So their moon sign to me is more evident than someone's sun sign because your sun sign is you can, you're still discovering how to be your sun sign. You haven't fully expressed your sun sign to what, to the capacity it can be. But the moon sign it's, it's just this way that you, you feel you, you show up, like energetically, it's a little bit more evident.
0: And what are some traits of Scorpios?
1: So so tr- Scorpio is like one of those signs that the, most people, um, I think, I feel like they shame the most. <laughs> um, because I always get the, these looks Um, but Scorpio is all about transformation. So it deals with a lot of shadow and darkness. Um, and I think that that's part of the appeal when I was attracted to astrology was because, you know, as a child, and I don't know if this is way before your time, but now it's, it's back in on Netflix, I can see it, but Unsolved Mystery was a show that I was really into. Because a, a Scorpio loves mystery, loves investigating, loves researching, and it's all about human psychology and understanding the things that are not, that are unknown and that are hidden away, and also like dark stuff and I think mysterious things. But the the journey of a scor of Scorpio is to unearth a lot of the ugliness and then be able to transform that into something that is you know it it, Scorpio rules power and abundance so that's part of my journey is to discover what that looks like to uh, hone power but not for bad or negative but for good and Scorpio energy can go either way right it depends on how aware and how much work you do if just like all zodiac signs if you if any zodiac sign is insecure or never gotten the opportunity to bloom and blossom then we always live in that fear and insecure place so Scorpio can be what they say you know vindictive and revengeful and jealous and all that stuff know that that stuff but that's part of our human condition it's not just scorpio but anyone can experience those feelings right so i think that that's what people need to understand is astrology helps us understand the the different facets of ourselves and that just because your sun sign is one thing does not mean that you are just that but then also scorpio can be very highly influential can be um, very you know uh, they love puzzles because they love solving problems and mysteries. there's all of that stuff that's attached to a zodiac sign
0: and how do you come up with like your monthly readings like how do you tune in and figure out what messages each sign needs to hear that month
1: <laughs> yeah so I don't do um so zo- zo- like um horoscopes for every zodiac signs i do in my monthly newsletter i do a whole write- writing of the transits and the energies that are that are around us because we're all part of that collective reading doing monthly horoscope for me i really believe that Everyone, because everyone has their, uh, their astrological chart to have a personalized reading is way more meaningful because it actually is about you, not just everyone that shares the same sun sign. There are certain astrologers that do amazing jobs at writing those horoscopes monthly for Every zodiac sign, that was never a thing that I was interested in. So I don't do that. And I just let other astrologers do that because they do that well. Uh, But the way that I write my newsletters monthly is first of all, understanding what... So astrology is cyclical. And we have the 12 zodiac signs every year and we have the seasons every year. So it's about tuning in and understanding the energies of the sun sign, the energies of the planet that takes a little bit longer to travel. So Mercury, Venus, Mars, then you go into Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto, Neptune, and Uranus. So you just kind of go through these different steps of all of those signs, and everything, it's it's telling a story essentially. And every planet is like a character. And so you're, so the the way that I tune in is understanding, okay, this is telling the story that sounds like this. And then if you marry this with that other planet and that other zodiac sign and the way they relate and the way they communicate, this is kind of how the story goes. So that's kind of how I write my, my newsletter and for people to understand the, the the transits and, you know, the weather, like the astrological weather is to move through these energies and understanding each character and what they're doing.
0: Do you have any messages that been, that have been coming in right now for the collective, anything you're feeling right now? <laughs> I mean, 2020
1: has been... And I'm sure you've seen it. Everyone talks about it. There's no way that you cannot find online an astrologer that does not talk about all of the Capricorn energies because it's very potent. It's been potent for, you know, at least the last year. And especially, you know, Saturn has been in Capricorn since end of 2017. And Jupiter has been in Capricorn for 20, you know, since 2019. So all of that energy is like, very obvious. So that is a big energy. And the lunar nodes have shifted. So that's also another level of energy. And, you know, the consensus is, there is a dismantling a challenge a confront confrontation of our structures that's very much capricorn it's a tradition but there they all the planets that are in capricorn right now are very intense planets that are challenging these structures politics economics our foundation, like, not our foundations, but, like, what we, the patriarch, what we know society to have bec- been, have become, n- now it's like, oh, we don't always, we don't necessarily agree with, and there's, with all of that, and so it's not working well, so now we're finding all these holes in the system, and, We knew that that was going to happen. We had no idea that this is how it's going to look like. At least I didn't. I know that I found an article online that one astrologer wrote in 2018, and he laid it out. He said it, that there was going to be a virus, that's going to be an outbreak, and that's going to completely change our world. So what we see out there is a reflection of all these transits. And that's going to continue for the remainder of 2020. Mm -hmm. There's a few transits that are coming up in the fall that's going to, you know, we know energetically what that's going to feel like, how it's actually going to be played out. We don't know. And we just simply get to, and that's the thing, it's like we can't control, right? Things will happen the way they will because that's how life unfolds Mm. and there's so many conversations that are being had because of this social breakdown and it's necessary and it's gonna take some time to rebuild but right now we're not in the place of rebuilding we're in the place of confronting the reality of of it all I, i i you know capricorn energy has been for me get real. If I were to keep it really simple, that, that's the words that I would be using is we all get to get real, no matter our perspective.
0: Can you talk about Mercury and retrograde and what that is (laughs) and maybe how it affects us?
1: (laughs) So every time, so all planets retrograde. The only quote unquote planets that don't retrograde is the sun and the moon. They're not planets, they're luminaries. But all planets retrograde from Mercury all the way to Pluto, and when they, when we say they retrograde, it's because they move, it looks like they move backwards, and but they're not really moving backward, they're just moving at a you know, at this gravitational place where two planets are traveling really close to each other and it slows down right and so it's like when you drive on the freeway one car goes super fast and then there's two cars that are driving super fast and then suddenly one car slows down it looks like that car goes backward in relation to the other car right like if you're sitting on that one car and this car next to you slows down, it looks like it's going backwards, but it's not really going backwards. It's just slowing down. So that's really what a retrograde is about, is when a planet slows down so much that it moves at a really, really slow pace. So we call them retrograde. And every time a planet retrogrades, it's because clearly they're not moving forward in a direct motion. So things are not externally expressed but that the energy is internally expressed so that's why they say that when mercury retrogrades it's time for us to revisit review redo certain things um reflect it's all the re and it, it requires us to slow down and um either complete certain things that we left off and we didn't finish. It could be that there are certain things that if we do too fast, we've got to slow down. Why Mercury has such a bad rep is because I think once you have, it's like this bandwagon, right? Once one t- once someone say, says something bad about something, then it becomes this whole thing because everybody starts saying it. So that's how things become really popular. And it becomes mainstream. It becomes part of the culture. But I think a lot of astrologers love Mercury retrogrades because Mercury rules communication. That's why people say, you know, there's a communication breakdown when Mercury goes retrograde. Well, that's because, you know, we tend to move super fast, and Mercury is a very fast-moving planet. It is the planet that is the closest to the Sun, so it travels in orbit very quickly versus The further you are away from the sun, the slower you travel as a planet. And Mercury uh, retrogrades about three to four times a year for about three weeks. So we are in the middle of Mercury retrogrades. It ends tomorrow. Um, There's a shadow period before and a shadow period after, like about a three-week shadow period. Sometimes um, some of the communication breakdowns occurred during whether it is in the shadow period or smack in the middle of the Mercury retrograde. And we also recently had a Venus retrograde that just finished its retrograde motion at the end of June. Venus takes about 40 days to retrograde. And then in the fall, we're gonna have Mars retrograding. So Venus is all about relationships and money and so during a Venus retrograde, we might be reviewing and reflecting a lot about either our finances or our relationships, And but Venus retrogrades every year and a half, so it's less of a thing than Mercury, right? Because mm-hmm. Mercury retrogrades more often.
0: And I saw a thing somewhere that you're not supposed to make big decisions when Mercury's in retrograde, is that correct?
1: Yeah. I mean, we're, and we say that very cautiously in the sense that, you know, for some people during a lifetime, if there are certain events in your life that requires that you make big decisions, and if you cannot put a hold on it, you just gonna have to make the best out of it. Right. It's not about letting astrology stop you from living. It's about being educated about well okay mercury is retrograding and you're buying a house so let's uh, make sure we read the contract let's make sure that we have we're not hasty in our signing the contract because sometimes if some something sounds too good to be true it can be unless you do the right investigative work to do your due diligence to make sure you read the contract correctly and that the terms are not like snuck in and say oh no they're they're missing a zero or the 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 dot you know on the uh, the dollar amount is wrong or or it's off or we didn't do a title search so maybe there's some sort of lean on a property so like all of these things you just have to kind of be smart about it's not about well, you need to buy this house because you need to move out of your house. And, you know, like there's certain timing that just needs to happen. So you just do it. You know, people, it's like Venus retrograde. We don't really highly suggest that you get married when Venus is retrograding. But at the same time, you know, some people don't care. So... They still are committed to, you know, they put a deposit on a venue. They haven't sent out the invitation. So what are you going to do? You're not going to cancel your wedding just because Venus is retrograde. But it just simply means, hey, just be aware that these might be some issues that you would need to address and that you have to handle and that you need to talk about or to, you know confront Um, so it's not about stopping but if you can put a hold sure but if you can't you know you just kind of have to roll with it
0: Mm.
1: but sometimes when you know ahead of time then you can maybe plan accordingly
0: and sometimes I see that there's like certain signs that are more compatible with certain signs is that true or is that something made up
1: (laughs) well There's certain, I think I would say, affinity of certain energies with other energies, but also remember that when you pull out your astrological chart, you are all 12 zodiac signs, and certainly there's going to be certain zodiac signs that tend to be more dominant than others, and you're not just your sun sign. When I look at compatibility, you you definitely need to look at your moon sign, your Venus sign, your Mercury sign, and your Mars sign to understand the dynamic, the chemistry between two people. So maybe your sun sign might not be compatible in the sense like, you know, someone who is a fire sign with a water sign. What happens when you bring water and fire together? either a lot of water can extinguish the fire, so what you do to a person is, the person that is strong water might uh, put out someone who has strong fire. Or what happens if the fire person has so much fire, well, it will steam up the water person. So you just create a lot of steam in this relationship. So it could be very hot and steamy or it could just be like really wet and like, it, like the fire person is just non-existent. So that's not a really good dynamic energetically. But you also want to look at the other planets because the other planets do talk to the, the other person's planets to see how they communicate. So there's different lines of communication and different lines of chemistry. Um, so you'd want to look beyond the sun sign, but there's but as far as the elements and certain zodiac signs, there are certain ways that some people tend to have a greater affinity with other people and but sometimes when two people get along so well that what happens we get really bored too. <laughs> so there's no so when I sit with people and talk about their relationship, there is absolutely no way that you found someone that is 100% compatible. There's always gonna be something that is challenging and difficult that you don't understand about the other person. The question is, can you live with that? Can you accept that? And when you look at your own personal chart, the things that are difficult in your chart are the areas that you grow the most. The areas in your chart that are super easy and comfortable, then there's really nothing for you to do except just, okay, great, these are easy. You know, use what you have, your strengths, but if you're growing and learning, it's because it's a little bit edgy and difficult and challenging and it has like a bite, right? So relationships the same way
0: when's a good time to get a reading and what can you tell by looking at their chart how much can you tell about their life
1: a good time to get a reading is when you really feel called to start understanding either yourself or understanding the period that you live in like um i like i said earlier astrology is cyclical so the planets are orbiting around the sun and there's a certain time period in your life that you're naturally going to have questions. And there's a lot of tools out there to help us understand our purpose, why certain things are, chall- are being challenging right now, whether it is about your relationships or whether it's about your career or it could be about your health. Um, or just your purpose in general, those are things that most people come to me and talk about. Those are the topics that are the most popular topics is I'm in a relationship. I'm not sure if I want to still be with this person. What can you tell me? Or, you know, I'm in a job that I'm not really happy with, but I don't really know where, where to go from here. Some people just are in a place in their lives where things are just kind of average, right? But they want more and they just don't know where to go. So be able to read your chart allows me to start seeing what your chart can tell me about your life. Reading a chart is not about me telling you what to do with it what your chart says that is available for you to understand so that you can start aligning yourself with the things that seems most natural to you and it's also important to understand so I've always said you know you're not no one is born with a manual we don't know how you know it's not like we have a car and there's this manual and if it's it's like tells you how to drive the car and use all these buttons and how to fix certain things. We don't have that. So your astrological chart is a map that shows the positions of the planet at the very moment you were born that you took your first breath into life. And that is the one thing that's the closest to, quote unquote, a manual or a map. And if you know how, to, what the map says, then you can start choosing your own adventure. Some people don't care, right? Like they don't, they don't need to know and they just rather just do whatever they feel like doing. But that's n- not everybody. There's definitely people that want some guidance and some answers. And so that's really what your chart can do if you allow yourself to be open to exploring. You know, what what were you born with that makes you, you? And I call your astrological chart, your birth chart, your cosmic DNA, because you're the only one that was born with it. Granted, you might be a twin or a triplet or, you know, a multiple, And I've done readings for people who are twins and triplets, um, but they still have different lives or different parts of the personality because zodiac signs are way more complex than just one-sided. You always have the shadow side and the light side, right? The negative and the positive side. So there's so many combination in that that even if you're a twin, you're not always exactly the same like your twin. There are certain things, of course, you guys are sharing, but you also have a very unique relationship, you know. So that's a whole different conversation. But to answer your question, I think any time is a good time. Uh, birthday is a really good time to, to do your reading because on your birthday, you have your own uh, a birthday chart. So every year on your birthday, you have a new chart that describes the themes for the upcoming year from your birthday of one year to the next birthday of next year. Um, also the new year, I mean, a lot of my clients come to me for the holidays because they wanna get ready and prepared for the new year and they wanna know what what's to come. So that's something that is very valuable.
0: And I'm a Virgo, so can you talk a little bit about Virgos and maybe some traits of them some things they need to learn, <laughs> something like that.
1: <laughs> I know Virgos very well. <laughs> my mom and my brother are Virgos. <laughs> the journey of a Virgo is about, <clears throat> it's really about service, being in service. It's, you know, they, they say that Virgos are workaholics and they want to be perfect, but it's, Yes, that's, that can be true, but you can also say that about other people that are not Virgo. But what makes Virgo very unique that no other zodiac sign is about is the fact that Virgo is, they're really good, they're great problem solver in the way that they get to learn how to develop systems and processes, and they love doing for other people, like they love serving other people, like that's what brings them the most joy, Uh, but I've seen Virgos that when they're younger, they really don't care about anyone, and it's all about them, but as they grow older, they really feel that sense of, oh my gosh, but I love being in service to other people, how do I do that? So you have the pragmatic Virgos, and then you have more of the spiritual Virgos. They're very different. Some people are a little bit of both. To understand Virgo is also to understand Pisces, because Pisces is the exact opposite of Virgo. And the axis, like the polarity of Virgo-Pisces, is all about healing. Pisces is all about the intangible healing. Virgo is all about the practical, tangible healing but there's a marriage of both, right? Like there's always a part of Pisces in Virgo and there's always a part of Virgo in Pisces. Like that energy is never separate. They're they're complementary. So that's why they say Virgos are quote unquote workaholic because they just love doing work to serve someone else. And it's a very selfless journey if, that Virgo allows themselves to find that sense of that purpose for themselves is, oh, how can I help you? Re- you know, really, Virgos are great at saying that. Is you're, if you, if you have a friend or family that feels down or is coming up against something that, like a hardship, then A Virgo is at their best self when they feel like, oh, my friend or my cousin or aunt or parent or sister is not feeling well. You want to go in and go, hey, how can I help you?
0: And what is something lighting you up right now?
1: So much. I just had a little puppy. So he lights me
0: up. (laughs) (laughs) Did you just get him? Um,
1: yeah, I just got him, like, I think a week and a half ago, so, um, and it's great during pandemic, and he just definitely is a joy, and he re- definitely reminds me, because I lost my um, 11-year-old dog in early June, so, you know, like, the, the puppy is, like, this new life and reminds you of the innocence. And I think during this pandemic time, it's great to reconnect with that innocence, right? To kind of help us see the larger picture that it's yes, it's challenging out there, but there's still a glimpse of life that is new and it's still exploring for him. The, he he still hasn't gotten outside because he hasn't he doesn't have all his shots yet. So I know that there's so much for him to explore. And that's kind of like a a reminder for me to, wow, there's still, for me, even now at my age, still, there's so much for me to explore. Mm -hmm. I think that's really the, the highlight. I mean, there's a lot of other things, but that is my highlight.
0: What is something that most people don't know about you?
1: Wow. There's, I think there's a lot. As a Scorpio, we don't, uh, we're very private. What they don't, I and mean, there's, I'm, I know there's a lot too. <laughs> this is so good. Well, I'm originally from Canada. A lot of people are surprised. And I, I think that I take that for granted that, oh, you know, I grew up in Canada and I know I'm Canadian and, but a lot, I don't, I don't share that with people. Um, so yeah, I'm, and I'm very proud to have grown up in Canada and be Canadian I would never go back and live there but that's the one thing that a lot of people don't know
0: and who inspires you
1: there's so many people that inspires me certainly like my mom has always been an influence and my husband is definitely an inspiration he works so hard and he's this really calm and Calm, collected kind of guy, and every time I see him, I'm like, oh, like there's really a true partnership with him. So I think that that inspires me every day to show up.
0: And what's something you're learning right now?
1: So there's, I guess, two things that I'm thinking about. One thing I am taking an advanced astrology class, called Horary class. I just started, so I'm guessing in one year I'd be pretty proficient. And other things I'm still learning is I think I'm still learning a lot about life. Like I'm still learning so much about myself, but on a whole different level. And it feels like I'm going back to learn certain things that I think that I just overlook because, you know, sometimes we just skip through things. And I never was a, a person that would meditate regularly. I would always have a meditation as my tool to go to when I feel a little bit of anxiety or there's a lot going on. And I, I'm very good at bringing myself back and grounded through meditation. But I never had a practice where I would be doing it regularly every day, just even five minutes. And I've started doing that for the last week and a half. Because I felt in me that there's something deeper for me to explore. And the only way for me to start seeing it is if I ground myself in silence and connect to this deeper part of myself. So I think that I'm still in that exploration of, okay, what is the deeper part of myself? Like, where have I not yet gone? I don't know what that place is. But I that's part of my learning process and discovery process right now.
0: And what were your 20s like?
1: <laughs> very challenging. I'd have to say my 30s were incredible. And my twenties were very painful. And painful in the sense of, you know, even though I've just said to you, I, there's still part of me that part of me that I'm still like diving deep but there's a big sense of I of confidence and knowing who I am now but in my 20s it was like you got it right it's like a shit show in the sense of you you know it's walking it felt like I was walking through life with my eyes closed and someone just pushed me in this forest of darkness without shoes and with no food and just say go right like that's how it felt like like it's scary i am not equipped i'm gonna get hurt uh i'm gonna get like eaten up alive like it felt that looking back i mean of course it made me who i am now but back then it was a constant, I felt like I was fighting, like I was fighting. I wasn't, you know, getting along with my, my, my mom was, I think she was going through her midlife crisis at that time when I was going through my twenties. So it was like always me and my mom always fighting. And I just wanted to be out of the house. I just, at the time, moved to Los Angeles from Canada because my mom moved here. And then, you know, I, I came here and it was, I mean, also I was educated in French all my life in Canada because I was, I grew up in Montreal, which is the French speaking part of Canada. And I came here and I just had to start college all over again because I already done one year of university there. But coming here, I had to start all over again and I had to learn everything in English. And so it was really hard because I have to learn, like learn how to go to school at the age of 19. And then so and then after that, like the rest of my 20s was just like, okay, well, now it's like me exploring my life here in the United States. I didn't have any friends. All my friends were in Canada. So I was just had family here so I think for me it was the challenge was surviving my parents like living with them and not killing them um finishing college in a completely different language then um then I met someone and I started dating this person and then figuring myself out with this new relationship who was, you know, seven years older than me at the time. And he went to med school and I moved to Virginia to be with him because I thought, okay, well, he's my savior and my ticket out of my parents' house. And that was horrible when I moved in with him at the age of 20. T1, I think I moved in with my boyfriend at the time, 3,000 miles away from home. Now it's like living with my boyfriend. And that was another shit show. Like, I think three months after I moved in with him, we would always fight. And I had to go through, finish my junior and my senior year of college while still figuring out how to be in a relationship with this guy and living with him and my mom was totally okay with me moving with him because she's like yeah you want to live with this guy to know if you wanted to marry him before you discover that after you get married and then you know at that point that's going to be way more difficult so I'm glad that my mom gave me that opportunity but man that was really really hard to live with someone when you're 21 22 and trying to even figure out who, who am I in that whole process? That was really hard. And I think it's like a lot of friendships too was really hard because I was still staying in touch with my friends in Canada. So I'm, I'm still maintaining friendships that are in a completely different country, trying to hold up my own personal relationship, creating my own friendships, and also not flunk out of college. That was hard. And then after college was finding work. But then I also was here as a foreign student. And I had to have and I had like, you know, to find someone that would sponsor me to work here in the States, because I'm not I wasn't a citizen. then. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely much harder to find work if you're you don't have citizenship. Employers are not really willing to invest in someone that could possibly just go back home, or they have to sponsor and pay money for you to stay and all that stuff. So it gets really complicated. And and I think that also I had a, this huge crisis. I remember the summer before my senior year of college, I had this moment of panic, because you have one year of college. And then, you know, there you go out in the world, Figuring out life as an adult, and I had no idea at the time what I wanted to do career wise. So I would spend my entire summer at the career counselor's office taking all these tests, personality tests, to figure out, well, what is the job that I'm supposed to have after I'm done with college? That was really hard. I still remember it was so traumatizing because I was so, I think I like put all of my. Energy onto her like you need to tell me what is my job when I graduate from college right and I also remember I don't know why but my senior year of college I, everywhere I parked on campus I would always get parking tickets and I'm like oh my gosh everything went to I felt like all my money that I would get is like all going to paying all of my parking tickets it's like so it's like. It's like really stupid to think about it now, but back then, that was like my life. And it just felt so overwhelming with all of these little responsibilities. Of uh, I wasn't quite an adult yet, but, but I'm not a child, so you're, you're just kind of like this in-between stage of, it feels more like teenagers, being a teenager, because I feel like when you're a teenager, it still feels like, oh, you're just a kid and you're just, you know, doing the crazy things you do, but it feels more fun. But at least for me, I mean, maybe some people had a whole lot of fun in your, their 20s, but for me, it was like, I felt the world was on my on my shoulder and I had to I had to tough it out and I had to get through it and it, it didn't feel fun it just felt heavy and then I also broke up with my relationship after one year after I graduated college I think like we broke up almost like I graduated in June of 2002 and then I decided to break up with my relationship at like December 2002 right so then it was like moving back home I mean I I got a job in Virginia stayed there Um, and then hated it. I was like, oh, do I really want to live in Virginia? Not really. (laughs) So I moved back home and then uh, decided to work for my mom and figure out, do I want to take over the family business? Then I realized, okay, no, that's not the job I wanted to have for the rest of my life. Uh, I don't want to run a family business. It's not even my business, right? Like I would just have all these decisions I had to make and I think that in my 20s that's what I felt like everything was a decision that I had to make and uh, so then I was back on dating the dating game again it's like okay now I'm single now like who like who am I when I'm not in a relationship all of a sudden so that was tough and I remember going on so many different dates and it was just Oh, exhausting. I hated it. I was, I've always been like this monogamous, like serial relationship person that, you know, I'm just in this relationship. I'm just with this person. And then if I'm not with this person, like, it's almost like I had this other person that I'm dating for a while. And it was just felt easy, but then suddenly you don't have a relationship and then you're searching for that relationship. It's like going to, shopping and you just have to try on so many outfits and then at some point it's not fun anymore it's just it's just work because you're like oh this pairing this with this oh this doesn't fit well here but then it's too tight here but it's too short here it's too big there it's like all of this criticize like criticism and I was like oh my gosh this is this is miserable so um fast forward and then I was in a long-distance relationship with a guy that I was with in Virginia and but I decided to move back home in California and uh, then decided okay well the long-distance relationship not working for me I'm not gonna fly back and forth I didn't have the means and I'm not gonna you know ask my mom to pay for my ticket to travel back and forth and anyways that was in my 20s and then I met my husband in my 20s. I was like 26. That was also another interesting relationship because we didn't get along the first time we met. We had like the worst first date. I met him through my cousin. You know, it was just kind of things like I I really prioritized my family at the time. I wasn't interested in another relationship at that point. I think I was really exhausted. I felt like okay, 20, 2002 through 2004 was two years of just figuring out relationship and it just, I was, like, burnt out at that point.
0: Why did you decide to go on a second date with him if the first date went bad?
1: <laughs> because he asked and because... And I I'm the, like, I'm the eternal optimist. I'm like, okay, well... First time was poor I mean everything you can think that it could go wrong did get go wrong and it's now talking about it it's hilarious but at the time it was like this is a comedy, this is like out of a movie and but you know, I think he was my cousin's boss and I didn't I, I wanted to give him another chance and He promised me a really good meal and I'm like, okay, sure. If you're willing to go on a second date with me, then I'll, I'll say yes. And the second date went way better. We actually were courteous to each other and we were not arguing (laughs) like we did in the first date. So the second date went better. So then we had a third date and then, you know, now we're married.
0: (laughs) And if you can go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old self, what would you tell her?
1: Oh, you know, and part of me want to say, like, just chill out. But to be honest, I don't think that I was that type of person to just chill out. I think I would have told her to take bigger risks, for sure. And I, I thought I thought at the time I did take big risks, like, you know, yeah, I moved to a completely different state you know without my parents all of that but that was not my security blanket right to be at home and all that stuff my for me it was like I wanted freedom I wanted independence I didn't want people to tell me what to do so I did everything to be away from authority as much as possible but at the same time I don't think that I really went balls out either. I think I did kind of play safe to a certain extent. And I think I wish I did take bigger risks and see really what, what boundaries I can really, really push. But I didn't. But that's, I think if I could go back time, I think that that's what I would say to her.
0: Thank you so much for doing this.
1: You're very welcome. This is great. <laughs> You're an awesome interviewer. Thank you.
0: Where can people find you?
1: I am on Instagram very often. So you can find me at Exalted. It's I G Z O L T E D. And I also have a website called Exalted.com. And so you can reach out to me, DM me. Yeah, no, you can sign up for my newsletter too. So you can get a dose of astrology every
0: month thank you guys so much for listening i love if you can leave me a review on itunes please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with i hope you guys have a great rest of your day